fantasy football fan. This is Jeff Howard, senior writer for Real Time Fantasy Sports. And welcome to another edition of the Real Time Fantasy Sports Podcast. On today's podcast, I'm going to be joined by senior fantasy editor for the huddle, Corey Bonini. Corey has been on with me before, and we're going to talk about all things week eight of the fantasy football season. Before I get to that interview with Corey, though, I did want to tell you that DFS basketball is now open here at Real Time Fantasy Sports. Just go to rtsports.com, click on the daily link at the top of the page, and sign up for a DFS basketball contest today. And now, here's my interview with Corey Bonini, Senior Fantasy Editor for The Huddle. And I'm joined now by Corey Bonini, Senior Fantasy Editor for The Huddle at thehuddle.com. His Twitter handle is at Corey underscore Bonini, C-O-R-Y underscore B-O-N-I-N-I. Corey, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast once again. Always a pleasure. First of all, Corey, before we jump into what I want to talk about here going on in week eight of the fantasy world, can you tell me a little bit about what's going on over there at the huddle right now? What are you guys working on? Sure, busy. Well, you know, you have everything that you can look for in a fantasy service. We have all of the uh, rankings and projections, and we have an individual uh, scoring system that, or excuse me, with a system that you can, you know, curtail to your individual scoring system, I should say. So every game uh, has player projections, every player offense and defense. And, you know, even if you're in deep IDP leagues, we have you covered there. But waiver wires, you know, sleepers, bench, that type of information. And you have uh, one-on-one access with our experts. And, you know, all together, there's probably far more cumulative years of experience than I think I should admit on air. Yeah, you guys have a great crew of writers over there, do a great job, busting out a ton of material on a daily basis. So I I highly encourage everyone listening to check them out. It's thehuddle.com. So, Corey, let's jump into week eight now, week eight of the fantasy season. I think the big news right now is a couple of trades that happened. Mohamed Sanu gets sent to the Patriots, Emmanuel Sanders to the 49ers, both those guys changing teams. Tell me how you think this is going to impact the fantasy value of both those guys. I don't think it really changes too much for Sanu. Um, going from that slot role in Atlanta where he's going to pick up scraps that don't go to Ridley and don't go to Julio Jones. And every once in a while, if the matchup is right, you'll see him pop off for a game with eight or nine catches. But he's not a reliably consistent guy you can plug into a lineup. He's somebody that you look as that, you know, fringe element where if you're really in need of a body, he's somebody you could possibly consider as a PPR flex guy. That's probably where he's at in New England. And I have some some concern that his role might be more of a blocker in New England. They're having big problems along the offensive line. Their tight end position is a mess after Gronk retired. Sanu is an excellent blocker, blocker as a wide receiver, and he's big enough to slide to some inline concept plays and be moved around almost uh, as if he was like a pulling guard, so to speak. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised at all if you see Josh McDaniels get extremely creative with how he's used as a blocker. But uh, on the other side there with Emmanuel Sanders, he should know that system pretty well. I mean, keep in mind Rich Gangarello comes from the uh, 49ers as their quarterback's coach last year. Gets about a half a season as the offensive coordinator for Sanders there in Denver. Sanders has experience with West Coast-based systems. The concepts are going to be familiar to him. It's probably going to be a terminology thing. Kyle Shanahan's system is notoriously complex to pick up. But when you have that background for Sanders and being, you know, being a veteran, I don't think it's going to be that long of, of a you know, learning curve for him. My bigger issue is Jimmy Garoppolo. What have we seen from him this year? He's mostly a game manager. I don't know that with the two offensive tackles being injured, I don't know that with this being a run-first offense that there's just enough there for fantasy owners to treat him as anything more than a number three for now. 
so besides those trades there, I think the other big news going on is injuries to two elite fantasy quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes, Matt Ryan. Both those guys look like they're going to miss the games this week. Haven't officially been ruled out yet, but we know they'll be tough to replace. But I want to know how this impacts the offenses of both those teams. And tell me from a fantasy perspective, uh, what are you doing as an owner with Chiefs and Falcons players uh, with those two QBs down right now? Crying, knocking back a few beers, a whiskey, something. <laughs> uh, Mahomes obviously is going to be almost impossible to replace, you know, one for one. You can get by playing some matchups and do okay. I'm not sure Matt Moore is necessarily the guy I'm going to turn to. He's a veteran. He has experience. He's a pretty smart guy. He, he fits the system well enough. And when I say the system, obviously Andy Reid's going to dumb this down a little bit. They're not going to run some of the same things they can get away with because of Patrick Mahomes. But it's not all gloom and doom. You still have Travis Kelsey. You still have a you know, formidable running game. You still have tra- um, Tyreek Hill. And there's some fringe guys on the outside there, too, who can do some things after they catch the football. I don't think that you can take that chance with Green Bay as far as the matchup this week. I'm personally leaning to Patrick Mahomes misses a month. I don't care if he's throwing on the side today in practice. He's going to miss a month, in my opinion. They have a bye week after the four-game stretch. Makes very little sense to me, especially if they can even go, say, you know, two and one in the first three games. I just don't see why you'd rush him back for that fourth game before the bye. But anyhow, so Matt Ryan, Matt Schaub would be the replacement, probably most known for being the king of pick sixes. <laughs> Not exactly <laughs> what you want to hear from a fantasy perspective. Uh, all, some of that's a little unfair as well. But he has the talent around him, even after losing Muhammad Sanu. They do have plenty of weapons at the wide receiver position. They have a talented tight end. The concern is the offensive line. Can Matt Schaub, nearly 40 years old, if I'm not mistaken, can he get out of the way? I mean, if they have a collapse along the right side of the line, which seems to happen multiple times per game right now, can he? is that where you see the guy who starts throwing the pick sixes under duress? That's where I'd be concerned. The matchup is good if you're willing to take that chance. The matchup is worthwhile. I wouldn't be terrified from that perspective, but you have to be willing to accept a lot of bad potential there. So, Corey, I talked to you before the season. I believe we did the running back preview. We were previewing positions. I had you on to do running backs. So I wanted to get your thoughts a little bit on how this year is going. And so my big question to you is the surprises for this year. Is anybody really been a huge surprise? You just didn't see that coming at all. Maybe you didn't take much stock in them. Uh, before the season started, and you've really been pleasantly surprised by their fantasy performance. Well, I don't, I don't know so much anyone's really, truly surprised me all that much, but I would say Aaron Jones scoring nine total touchdowns so far, that I did not see. I would have pegged him somewhere around there for the entire season. I thought his high could have been maybe 11 or 12 in the best-case scenario. I'm a little impressed by how well he has run the ball. I really am. But now you're starting to see more Jamal Williams creeping in. You're starting to see the passing game opening up when the matchup war and such. I'm starting to get a little bit lukewarm on whether Aaron Jones can get to, you know, 12, 13, 14 range for total touchdowns this year. I was a little surprised, I guess, by Leonard Fournette simply because there were so many red flags. He did rededicate himself. We heard, you know, stories about how he was clearing up his personal life. He spent more time focusing on himself, his body, football. It, it was still just hard to ignore some of that noise on the side there between this, you know, issues with the organization. And you just never know. And he's always had the injury problems. So I was a little nervous there, even though I did like him later in, in the offseason as far as the draft season goes. But other than running backs, I'd say DJ Chark is probably the most surprising guy to me. 
I was a, more of a D.D. Westbrook guy going into the season. Uh, Westbrook's been pretty good, but Chark has completely opened my eyes to what he is capable of. Uh, D.K. Metcalf, that was another one right there. You know, you saw a lot of noise going on of, is he going to be healthy in time? Okay, so then he is healthy in time. How much does he know the system? Does he have any chemistry with Russell Wilson? What can we expect there? Are they just going to run the ball constantly? And he's been a pleasant surprise so far in his career. And then Darren Waller, man, anybody paying attention in the summer heard the hype. Everybody seemed to like him as some type of level of a sleeper. Uh, it was just hard to see him getting this good this quick, right? So happy for him. Uh, he's a wonderful story. I, I really think he's going to be one of those guys who's a 50-50 on whether he can keep it up though the rest of the year. So on the flip side, Corey, and I think there's a lot of guys on this list, but fancy disappointments right now. It seems like there's Maybe more than I can remember in recent years, guys just haven't performed uh, up to date. Who tops your list? Is it fair to say Antonio Brown? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. I'll skip that one. Um, Kidding aside there, it has to be Baker Mayfield. The expectations were through the roof. All of this talent around him, supposedly an offensive mastermind in Freddie Kitchens. We saw what they did in the second half of last year. Mayfield did not look like a rookie down the stretch. And then so you, you, you come into this week with five touchdowns, 11 interceptions, less than 250 yards per game passing, can't stay upright, the offensive line is a mess. The running, by, running game has been good at times, but the play calling hasn't matched between balancing when to run and when to throw, in my opinion. Uh, sticking right there in Cleveland, maybe not necessarily his fault, but Odell Beckham comes along for the ride. I mean, Baker just hasn't been able to keep him afloat from you know on a consistency basis so i think that can get better it probably won't be this week with new england but it can get better for sure and then oj howard tops on my list right here i mean you have a guy who is probably top three or four in terms of just raw talent at the position had the injury last year after he was starting to come on pretty strong and he's just been nowhere to be found for fantasy purposes man anybody who drafted him as a tight end probably got him as the fifth or sixth tight end off the board and it's just really hard to understand. I'm seeing him on waiver wires in a lot of leagues right now. It's just, to me, that's one of those things where Bruce Arians' offense historically has not been great for tight ends, but you just looked at that team and you said, well, the defense wasn't very good. They have some, some weapons at wide receiver. They should be able to make it work with Howard, you know, in the intermediate game. They don't have much of a running game. They're probably going to throw the ball 650 times. It doesn't seem to matter whatsoever. Yeah, most definitely Howard's been just a, Big time bust. Really surprising to me, too, which with them throwing the ball so much as they are right now because they can't run the ball very well, but he still can't get any looks for whatever reason. But we move on. So we talked about uh, trades a little bit earlier, Corey. How about trading for fantasy purposes? We're at that deadline time for a lot of fantasy leagues approaching as well. So how about some guys, maybe some buy-low candidates for you, guys that you think you can get a little cheaper that maybe you think could rebound going forward? Well, I have a lot of them, but for brevity's sake, I will try and keep it as brief as I possibly can here. So Le'Veon Bell is probably number one on this list for me. I'm a little bit worried about that offensive line, but the schedule is just marvelous once you get past Jacksonville. And Jacksonville isn't even that scary. He could probably find the end zone there. So you're looking at Miami, the Giants, the Redskins, the Raiders, the Bengals, Miami again. Baltimore's been awful at giving up rushing touchdowns. Pittsburgh's a little scary at the end of the year. Sam Darnold even enters that conversation right there, but you can probably pick him up off the wire. Joe Mixon, again, similar situation. Offensive line is a mess. The offense is still trying to figure itself out. But the upcoming schedule is brilliant with, again, games. He's got Baltimore in there, Oakland, the Jets, Cleveland, Miami, some some positive to work with there. 
And if A.J. Green does return sooner than later, that will help open up the, open up the offense a little bit. Melvin Gordon's another guy maybe. Again, offensive line concerns, a little scary there. Russell Okun's return soon should help. Gordon's just going to take some time to get back in the swing of things after missing so much action. David Montgomery has been really slow to get it going. I'm not crazy about Mitchell Trubisky leading that offense. The offensive line has some issues, taking some hits lately too. That one I'm a little lukewarm on, but if the price is right and the situation's right, I can see him being depth. Jameis Winston, second best strength to schedule the rest of the way. Love that situation if you can get your hands on him pretty cheap because he's bound to have a terrible game or two if you can get him after that. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, like I said earlier, game manager, but now they added Sanders. The strength of schedule is pretty good the rest of the way. Robbie Anderson's interesting a little bit there. Devontae Parker, it depends if he gets traded. If he doesn't get traded and Ryan Fitzpatrick remains a starter, I think he can live out wide receiver three value the rest of the way and even sneak into number two at times. Um, Beyond that, though, maybe George Kittle only because he scored the one touchdown, but you're probably still going to have owners invested too much in him to be willing to dump him at any you know, kind of real discount price. All right, you gave me your buy low, guys. How about some sell high guys? Any guys that you think are just outperforming what you think they're going to do the rest of the season? Guys you want to get rid of, maybe get some good value for them. Two guys that I'll put the caveat on of, they are their own team's offenses right now, so be wary of that. Uh, this could overcome tough matchups, but Mark Andrews has a brutal schedule the rest of the way, the worst for tight ends. Darren Waller has a tight end schedule that is not friendly at all. Zach Ertz is also in a situation like that. All three of those guys are more or less their team's offense in the passing game. If you can get put feelers out, that's probably the best way of saying it. If you can put feelers out and see what they're worth, it might be worth checking out. Uh, Brandon Cook could be a guy that might be worth targeting. <clears throat> if you can get rid of him after he has a big game or so, I'm not crazy about the rest of that schedule. He you know, tends to be inconsistent. Chris Carson's another guy. The schedule isn't all that good. Same with Mark Ingram. Both guys could be worth using as trade base and see what you can get, especially if there's an owner in your league who is in contention and they need that extra running back to help give them a push. I don't want anything to do with David Johnson, but the problem is the cat's out of the bag. I mean, we've already seen what Edmonds is, and what are you going to get for Johnson if he's banged up right now? Almost nothing. So if there's a chance in the next couple of weeks before that trade deadline, usually week 10 in fantasy, he has a big game somehow. You know, look to ship him out as quickly as you can. And then the last one here for you would be Aaron Rodgers. Huge game this week. I would be entertaining every opportunity I could to see what you might get for him. It was against the Raiders. Green Bay is going to be more balanced. The offense favors the running game the rest of the way. They're not going to face Oakland every week, of course. And that was the first big game Rodgers had all year. I don't think that is him coming into you know, a wealth of fantasy points going forward. I think that's going to be more of an aberration the rest of the way. Yeah, this guy over here uh, benched Aaron Rodgers for Kyler Murray last week, and it cost oh. me my game. That hurt. What can you do? Like you said, though, that was his first big game. He's been pretty mediocre the rest of the year. That's kind of why I did it. I like the matchup for Murray, but it burnt me. Oh, well. So how about uh, some proactive fantasy owners? I think being proactive is the best way to win your leagues. You can't just sit back all the time. And when I say that, I'm talking about guys maybe that could do something later in the season. So is there anybody out there you think could be on the waiver wire that could be a good speculative ad for fantasy teams, guys that could maybe grow into a role, maybe a team is struggling so they're going to get more chances or maybe the player ahead of them is struggling and so they're going to bench him and somebody else is going to get some work. How about a speculative ad for fantasy owners out there? Well, I was beating this drum probably too much in the in the 
draft season, but Justice Hill, the rookie running back for the Ravens, I don't see how they can possibly continue to give Mark Ingram a heavy workload with the playoffs on the horizon for Baltimore. Gus Edwards has been getting quite a bit of work, but he's almost the exact same guy as Ingram. They need somebody to work out as that satellite position player there and get out into space and take advantage of certain matchups. And I think Hill might see more work as we go down the stretch. Tony Pollard in Dallas. Can we consistently see Ezekiel Elliott get such a workload, even though he had a little bit of a reprieve from holding out? I just I have to say that with what we've seen from Pollard and limited work, whether it's the preseason, whether it be just spelling Zeke, he's just a dynamic, explosive player. They need to get the ball in his hands. A couple of other running backs that they're owned, so I don't think you're going to necessarily be able to pick them up off the wire, but you might be able to land them on the cheap if, if their owner isn't paying a lot of attention. Miles Sanders, the rest of the way, should see a lot more work. And he's probably a lot better option if you're in PPR than standard. Royce Freeman's already starting to see a little bit more work. Alec Erickson. Alex Erickson was seeing, you know, a big game there in week seven, had the 13 targets. But it's Auden Tate who's actually the guy you should want down the stretch, especially if A.J. Green somehow gets traded. Not sure Green really goes. I'm probably leaning no on that one. But Tate at six foot five, he's the better threat to score a touchdown. And when you're picking up guys speculatively like the Auden Tates of the world or the Ericksons of the world, you're aiming for that, who gives you the best bang for your buck and who can give you a touchdown more often than not. It's going to be somebody like a red zone presence like Tate. Trevor Davis in Oakland's a deep threat capability. Tyrell Williams has the plantar fasciitis injury. That's something that notoriously takes a long time to recover from. And then finally here, Debo Samuel. Uh, once he's 100% healthy, he's over that groin injury. It looks like it shouldn't be too serious for him here going forward. And you have the, the Sanders factor to help take some pressure off of him. So, Corey, a lot of waiver waiver wires run tonight. I wanted to ask you about this before I let you go. Anybody stand out to you that you think you can grab on the waiver wire in week eight? Any 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 targets for you specifically? Oh, it has to be running back Ty Johnson in Detroit. Carryon Johnson went on injured reserve. He's eligible to return in week 16. They're not bringing Carryon Johnson back in week 16. That's just not going to happen. So, <clears throat> Kenny Stills is another guy, especially after the uh, injury there to Will Fuller. That looks like it might be a several-week injury for a guy who's had a history of hamstring problems. Roughly 50% ownership rate right now for Stills. You should probably be able to find him on league, you know, on wires in more casual leagues. Deshaun Hamilton is a deeper dive with Sanders gone in Denver. We saw flashes from him last year out of the slot as a rookie. Should see more work this time. Not exactly crazy about the volume, not crazy about the offense in general, but hey, look, you're you're talking about a guy who's going to see starters work. Uh, anybody in that scenario is at least worth looking at. Ryan Tannehill is an interesting guy if you're in the camp of people who have lost one of, what, a dozen starting fantasy quarterbacks already this year. And, you know, especially this week. He's got a pretty good matchup there against Tampa Bay. And then after that, it's play the matchups, I would say. And then Zach Pascal, another interesting guy, double-digit points and three out of his last four games, a wide receiver in Indianapolis. They, they got to have somebody other than Eric Ebron. they got to have somebody other than T.Y. Hilton, and they haven't been doing a whole lot in the passing game. Otherwise, Pascal is that guy you want to target. And then the last one for you is a one-week play, and this is based on Jared Cook. If he doesn't play again, Josh Hill for the Saints is a pretty good, decent, you know, pretty decent gamble for a touchdown this week. Awesome stuff, Corey. I really appreciate you joining me once again. You gave our listeners a ton of info there, a ton of Guys, you listed for all these questions I threw at you. I really appreciate it. Again, that's Corey Bonini, Senior Fantasy Editor for The Huddle. You can see all his work at thehuddle.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at Corey underscore Bonini, C-O-R-Y underscore B-O-N-I-N-I. Corey, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
And that was my interview with Corey Benini, Senior Fantasy Editor for The Huddle. I want to thank Corey for joining me on the podcast this week, and I want to thank you for listening, and good luck in all of your Week 8 fantasy football games. This has been Jeff Power, Senior Writer for Real-Time Fantasy Sports. Have a great day, everyone.